Chapter Five of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Tokyo, the capital of Japan. It is about a half hour by train from Yokohama to Tokyo. The two cities are only eighteen miles apart, and the sea is in sight almost all the way. We are carried through green fields spotted with blue gowned, big hatted men and women, half doubled over weeding the crops we pass numerous orchards of pear and plum trees the branches of which are so trained upon framework that they form green roofs shading the ground and go by village after village of thatched houses with smoke coming out at the ends of their roofs we see some large factories on the outskirts of tokyo then shoot through a maze of dark-colored houses and finally land in shimbashi one of the busiest parts of the japanese capital leaving the cars we make our way with the clattering throng to the doors of the station there are hundreds of passengers many of whom wear wooden sandals which clap on the stone floors as they walk all are polite and they bow again and again almost to the ground upon meeting their friends outside the station hundreds of gin rickshaws are waiting their blue-coated bare-legged owners stand in the shafts and an official at the door hands us a check bearing the numbers of the men we may call at the same time he motions to certain of them who trot up and offer their cabs we fix the price per hour for the service and upon taking our seats tell the human steeds that we want to see the whole city and ask how long it will take they reply that such a ride would consume several days at the least tokyo is one of the great cities of the world it contains more than two millions of people and its area is many square miles it would require all morning to walk from one side of it to the other and if we took horses we should need at least a day to go around it our guide suggests that we take a view of the city from one of the watch-towers upon which men stand day and night to look out for fires there are many such scattered throughout tokyo and they rise so far above the rest of the buildings that from their tops we can see the whole city we stop at one near the station and climb up we are high in the air with the japanese capital spread out below us at the south is the blue tokyo bay with many white sailing ships floating upon it and at the north and east we can look beyond the city to the green fields and trees of the country the town which lies under us is like nothing we have in america there are no tall ungainly structures as in new york and chicago and no ragged streets with buildings of all shapes and sizes jumbled together with vacant lots showing out here and there in the chief business center and about the imperial park are some foreign structures but most of the city is a level of one-story and two-story houses with many great temples rising out of green parks the houses are built along the edges of streets without sidewalks they are roofed with black tiles and have walls of unpainted wood turned gray by the weather marking the streets with long lines of black and gray beginning at the bay they run far back into the country they border both sides of the sumida river which here flows into the sea and are enclosed in a network of canals upon which junks and native craft of all kinds move to and fro notice the trees the lakes and the silvery waterways did you ever see anything more beautiful there are trees everywhere and here and there are wide open places 
such as the parade grounds of the soldiers and the great parks surrounding the temples where the people come to worship according to their religion of which we shall learn more farther on that forest at the east with the twelve-storied tower rising above it is unio park noted for its many cherry trees whose blossoms in spring seem to fill the air with pink clouds in it is the zoological garden and nearby are the university and other large schools on the western side of the city we can see sheba park where are several grand temples and right in the centre is the vast expanse of ground beautifully rolling in which the palaces of the emperor stand these grounds are surrounded by three wide moats or ditches walled with stone they are filled with water and crossed by great bridges guarded by soldiers between the two outside moats are many fine modern structures of brick and stone not unlike the public buildings of our national capital they are occupied by his majesty's cabinet and contain much of the machinery by which the empire is governed but let us climb down from the watch-tower and take a jinrikisha ride through the streets our men will go as slow or as fast as we please and we can stop them at the interesting places and get out and walk how queer it all is except on the ginza which is the chief business street and in a few other places where foreign blocks have been erected the buildings are more like the bazaars of a fair than the substantial structures of an american city there are but few large houses and only now and then one which has more than two stories the heavy ridge roofs extend far out over the walls and the floors are high up from the ground the outer walls are made in sections which slide in grooves back and forth they are pushed aside during the daytime and we can see all that goes on within we look in vain for windows and doors the rooms are divided by walls of lattice work backed with white paper through which the light comes these walls are also in sections which move in grooves one inside the other in going from one room to another we push aside a section of the wall instead of opening a door and we can throw several rooms into one the japanese are naturally modest but their ideas of propriety are different from ours and we observe strange scenes of family life as we ride through the streets here a slant-eyed maiden is making her toilet she has pushed back the wall of her home and we can see her as she sits on her heels on the floor before a little round mirror and primps and powders and paints her lips red while the people go by without noticing anything strange in her actions next door is a family eating dinner they sit or kneel on the floor and each has his own table of the size and height of the box of a bootblack a little farther on we stop at a store the merchant sits flat on the floor with his goods piled around him and the floor is his counter we sit there as we shop hanging our feet out into the street as we do so the wall at the back is moved wide apart and the merchant's family comes out to see what we buy the little boys have almond eyes and short hair and the girls slant eyes and long hair done up just like their mothers now our shopping is finished and we ask the cost of the goods we have purchased the amounts are handed to one of the boys who figures up the sum upon a box of wooden buttons strung upon wires by moving these back and forth he can add and subtract as quickly as we can with pencil and paper and we find the boy's figures correct but let us turn from the shops to the people the streets are not narrow 
and we are not jostled as we move through the crowd the hundreds of queer-looking men women and children who pass us are the soul of good nature and they treat us as brothers they smile and bend low as they meet one another and when we stop at their stores or enter their houses they bow again and again almost to the ground we try to be polite in return but the japanese back is more elastic than ours we soon grow stiff with the unusual motion and feel that even the india rubber man of the circus might wear himself out with bowing in a tour through japan clatter 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 what a noise people make as they go along the street they wear curious sandals of wood or straw and their stockings are foot mittens in which the big toe has a separate place during wet weather the sandals worn have blocks on the bottom about three inches high so that the whole nation becomes that much taller whenever it rains at such times the girls pull their gowns up to their knees and the boys tuck theirs under their belts to keep them from being spattered with mud all the people carry umbrellas which cover the upper parts of the body and the streets are filled with bare yellow legs raised upon stilts which seem to be carrying queer-looking bundles the japanese dress is peculiar both men and women have on long flowing gowns extending from their necks to their feet these are folded across the body in front and fastened at the waist with a sash the chief difference in the dress of the sexes lies in the sash that of the man being little more than a belt while that of the woman is more than half a yard wide and so long that it can be wrapped several times around the waist and tied in a great bow at the back the sash is often of the finest of silk and is the most expensive part of the costume the gowns of both men and women are open at the front being folded across the person and held together by the sash girls are taught to walk so as not to pull their dresses apart they take short steps and turn their toes inward one odd feature of the dress is the sleeve this is made very full and sewed up at the wrist so that it can be used as a pocket the colors of the clothing are exceedingly modest most of the people wear blacks blues and grays and it is only the very little children who have on the bright gaudy hues which many suppose to be most liked in japan how busy everyone is as we go through the streets we observe that the stores and houses are filled with workers there are crowds at the shops buying goods and peddlers by hundreds hawking their wares there are porters by scores with great loads on their backs and servants carrying baskets fastened by strings or ropes to the ends of a pole which rests on the shoulder we see children in groups playing about everywhere many of the little ones are at work and in some sections every house contains an industry of one kind or another in which the children do much of the labor there are also many on their way to and from school and of these we shall learn more farther on in our travels we pass many people going to the theatres the plays of which last from morning till night and meet family groups bound for the temples each person carrying his lunch that they may have a picnic in the groves after their prayers jin rickshaws pass by us carrying statesmen to the houses of parliament and other jin rickshaws are seen here and there in which are bareheaded ladies who are going out calling or taking the air there are but few horses and carriages and very few automobiles the street cars are everywhere and the electric roads will take one to any part of the city 
at a much lower fare than those of our country we observe that the people use the cars freely and also that modern machinery is doing away with hand labor in many of the shops nevertheless we are impressed with the fact that human muscle is still performing a large part of the work of japan observe that little post-office wagon which is carrying the mail from one side of the town to the other it is pulled by a man who wears a blue jacket and tights the dray behind it belongs to one of the big wholesale establishments and it is taking a load of goods to the train the motive power consists of those two almond-eyed men who are harnessed in front and of others who are shoving behind with both heads and hands their muscles stand out like thick cords as they work and the sweat is rolling down their brown skins in diamond-white streams as we go through the side streets we see that they are still watered by hand each householder being required to lay the dust in front of his dwelling and we observe others of the old customs which our civilization is fast crowding out the stores of the main business sections are changing they now have counters like ours and sliding glass windows there are some large department stores with concerts and shows to attract customers tokyo has an excellent telephone service and there are telegraph lines through all parts of the town at night the main streets are lighted by electricity we meet newsboys on every corner and soon realize that the japanese capital has become a modern city very different from that which stood here in the days of commodore perry it is now one of the world's greatest capitals with most of the modern improvements of new york paris or london End of chapter 5